Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Education Conversations. A warm welcome to you, uh, Professor Willie Chinyamundrindi. How are you doing this evening? Good, good evening, Patricia. And uh, it's at the end of the day, so uh, a bit relaxed now. And looking forward to our conversation. I'm glad you relaxed because the guest before you, Shivad, was telling me how it's uh, past his bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> and he wants to go to bed. But Ben was whispering to me that uh, you're an avid listener of the show, so this is your time to relax and unwind. Yes, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm very honored to be talking to you because I, 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 I follow your work all the time and, and what a great privilege it is for me as well to be interacting with you. Thank you very much for joining us. We we appreciate you. So you wrote an article um, about how boosting connectivity in African universities could possibly uh, be what could lead us uh, to becoming world class in terms of the ranking of our universities. Is it possible or are we just dreaming? It has to be possible, Patricia, because um, if you look at uh, where the world is headed, uh, this new knowledge economy that we talk about, uh, we, we can't afford to be left behind. And part and parcel of this experience for me has come through an awakening in my um, academic journey um, where in the past, you know, it was always nice to go to an academic conference somewhere in L.A. or in, in the U.K. or in Ireland, you name all these nice places. But... Um, I've, I've made it a, a deliberate intention to pay attention to the African continent. I have spent in the last five years visiting um, a number of African countries, and I can see there's a hunger, there's a thirst for knowledge, there's a thirst uh, and a quest, really, for how we can become better. And I think that the answer lies in improving issues such as connectivity. And, and I, should, I would even add to you, Patricia, that it should then, connectivity or the access to data should become the next uh, prioritized human right that we should uh, make sure that nations place in terms of uh, allowing their citizens to to have uh, in the quest of becoming better. Hmm. Listen, you're saying it should be one of those that are deemed as human rights in Africa. We are struggling to get vaccines. So, yeah, it's a catch-22. But I hear you, and I do agree with you. It is very paramount that we do jack ourselves up when it comes to internet connectivity. But um, are our governments across Africa willing to work together so that we can find infrastructure uh, solutions that are not costly, but that would also be able to benefit us as Africa to make sure that we've got fast, affordable internet solutions. So, so this is where now the, the, the challenges come in, Patricia, because um, part and parcel uh, of um, the challenge in most of these African countries uh, is a colonial legacy where uh, uh, there's also been war. I mean, you, you can look at a country like Mozambique, um, um, suffered the devastation of a war that lasted quite a bit, and, and, and infrastructure, you, you just have to drive through uh, rural Mozambique and to see the uh, you know, challenges that are there. And, and, and the, the, the issue for me, uh, which is um, the argument I make in the article, is not for African governments to be competing for space, but rather to be collaborating.
together to try and find workable solutions to the challenges. So I find it I find it difficult to imagine that if I were to go to Zimbabwe right now, right in the center of Harare, um, and there are four universities in operation there, each of those universities is competing for uh, uh, funding to build the next big library, whereas there are opportunities for uh, emerging uh, libraries and uh, collaborative libraries where instead of uh, competing, we find ways of collaborating. And, and that's where the, the, the challenge is. Uh, I mean, we, you, you just have to look at the recently ended Pan-Africanist Parliament, where there were divisions amongst uh, colleagues based on the geographical areas that they come from. Uh, you've got the Francophone-speaking countries, you've got us guys here, down here, and you've got the guys in East Africa. And what we, what we want to, to, to break as... Uh, uh, a divide, which is an argument I make in the article, is a more of a psychological barrier we need to address. We need to stop these impositions that we have amongst ourselves of um, superiority and even uh, the, the, the comfortability of inferiority in some cases, where some countries who rather wallow and you know hide and say, no, we are just a little, we're a little power that is just somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And so the psychological thing must happen first. And then we then address the more difficult part, which is the political will. And and then allow me to add that, you know, industrialized countries such as South Africa who are pioneering not only in Africa but on the, on the global landscape play a huge part in encouraging uh, the unity of Africa, especially our universities in thinking towards this, collaborative rather than spirit of, of competition that is more prevalent uh, in my in my observation. A-team is we are talking about uh, boosting connectivity in African universities with Professor Willie Chinyamurendi, who's a senior lecturer in uh, business management at the University of Forte. I'd love to hear from you. Do you feel that there are means, ways and will in Africa to ensure that we are able to access Internet um, for the betterment of education, not only for universities, but also benefiting uh, high schools and primary schools so that students are able to to learn um, like the rest of the first world countries. Hey, we've got the World Wide Web. Let me hear from you. 011-714-2006 or even WhatsApp uh, 0614-104-107. Perhaps you've got a question or you've got an idea. Share it with us. Prof, in terms of what you've just said around how universities are more competitive against each other as opposed to being collaborative, it concerns me then because if from the educational um, fraternity, if there's no holding hands and moving forward, that means that it would be very difficult for us to find ourselves at a place where we can negotiate with internet service providers to make sure that the data costs are lowered in Africa. Uh, we can make sure that infrastructure is, um, is, is, is bettered by lobbying because it needs to come from the universities themselves. But part and parcel of the challenge is this uh, uh, individualized rent-seeking type of behavior where universities will compete with each other for accolades and you know the space of domination of saying well we are pioneering in this regard and everybody's talking about you mentioned earlier on about the vaccine uh, and, you know people are, are calling out for you know ideas or how to come up with innovative 
um, platforms of, uh, you know, mitigating and, and addressing the challenges around the pandemic. And so the, the divided voices scenario that you paint in, is common. Uh, and in South Africa, we, we tend to be addressing it um, very well um, through um, uh, instruments. For instance, uh, you, you will find that if a grant is out, which is calling for you know, a collaborative project to come up with some form of innovation, um, one of the prerequisites of that grant would be that members of that research team need to come from the different universities. And when I talk about the different universities, I'm talking about your more um, privileged universities and the so-called historically disadvantaged universities. So what, what, what policymakers are finding there is that, well, if people are not going to work together out of free will, we must find mechanisms of making sure that people work together. And, and it's, it's also common on the continent. I've seen calls for collaborative projects where the funder is willing to fund ideas of uh, this nature, uh, getting platforms out where people interact with technology, but they make it mandatory that you must be part of a collaborative team with at least three, four other universities on the African continent. So if we, if we cannot work together out of um, the common good of around us, I think there's necessity for even those who are investing money into these um, technologies to say, well, we're going to find a way, whether you guys like it or not, to make you work together. And then the second point there, Patricia, which, which must be emphasized as well, which is critical, I guess, is the, the issue of negotiating with industry. I think the, the industry and the private sector have a huge part to play. Often, we, as we end youth month, we are faced with all these questions around the lack of skills and uh, how the product of the university system is not able to match with what is expected on the labor market. I think this is a great opportunity for industry, uh, the private sector, to come on board, to partner with the universities, to say, let's find a way to work together because the end result, the human capital component of uh, what you guys are trying to achieve is going to benefit us in the private sector as well. So we must find ways, again, to collaborate rather than to compete. We definitely need to find ways. Uh, let me go to some of our A-teamers who are holding on the line. Anonymous, good evening. Good evening to you, Patricia, and your guest. I just want to enlighten you something, that the, uh, Mr. Uh, the President, Mr. Ramaphosa, did mention that every student uh, will get, they have to register through a website, that every student will get free data you know, uh, no charge at all. So, But they have to register for that free data. All right. So I don't know if you've, uh, you know, in one of his speeches or one of the lectures that he had, um, not this one, the one I think before. You know, Anonymous, it's all good and well to have free data for all students. Yes. But realistically speaking, do all students have the infrastructure for that yeah. free data? And I say this boldly because yeah. I have the privilege of living in the city, in Johannesburg, but come from the rural areas of KZN. And yeah. when I am in my rural area, where I am in, in my rural area, I don't have network for any, any network in South Africa. Name all of the top network providers. I do not have, my phone does not go on. There's power there on and off, 
Yeah. I hardly have water there. So is yeah. it realistic to give South Africans and say, yeah, free data yeah. for all and students when there's no infrastructure? Afford, uh, the bundles, people can't afford the bundles they, because sometimes they don't even have a proper phone, a proper you know, uh, a phone where they can go through the internet. They can't afford a good quality you know, cell phone. It's not even about the and quality, also the, it's And also, as you mentioned, you are 100% correct on that, that you mentioned. You, if the lights go on, off, uh, on, you, you can get free items, but if it's no use to you if you don't have the in, uh, the facilities. Mm. You are 100% correct on that one. Thank you so very much, Anonymous. Okay. Let yep. me allow Prof to weigh in. Prof, I mean, I hear Anonymous and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's commendable, right? And in a beautiful world, it would make sense. But there's a lot of South Africans who live in areas that are so remote, so far removed uh, from technology that you ask yourself, even if we are to say there's a free uh, Internet connectivity, if there's no infrastructure, it means nothing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, spot on. Um, infrastructure development is, is critical. I mean, you just have to look at uh, I, I work in um in Alice, which is a, a rural community in the Raymond Muslaba uh, local municipality. And uh, you, you just have to look even within that community. I was speaking at an event a few days ago where um, uh, the, the young people in that community were even expressing some of these challenges around so-called free data. Or, uh, and I think what Anonymous was talking about is the president's um, call during Youth Day of the creation of um, a website um, uh, or an application where they can easily apply for jobs and get their CVs online and so forth. And I think part and parcel of our challenge is, is, is as we address the connectivity issue is to have the requisite infrastructure in place to be able to, to support uh, aspects related to connectivity. And that, again, still remains um, a huge challenge, but I will I will share with you a, a very wonderful story, Patricia. Right here in in East London, where I stay, um, in Mdansani, uh, a young entrepreneur um, uh, uh, has has started, uh, um, you know, providing access to connectivity through uh, a platform he calls Mdansani Wi-Fi, and 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 part and parcel of that uh, spirit of what he embodies there is this spirit of seeking. Um, to, to sell his idea to the world, at the same time serving the local community around. And, and part and parcel of our challenge when we talk about these issues of connectivity, we seem to be talking to a privileged lot. Uh, we reduce it to the university students, but there, there are a whole broad array of students and young people out there who get omitted in, 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 in our theorizing and talking about issues of connectivity. Sure. Let me go to this voice note from A-Teamer. Good evening, Patricia and the team. Rapunzito, new haircut. <laughs> yeah, this is a born free here and um, great, great, great conversation. I just want to add my, my piece here real quick. I like what your guest is saying with regards to collaboration. And one thing we need to understand, these divisions run deep. It's not um, based on geographic and also the the reason why things are based on affordability so on and so forth is because the infrastructure that we have or the companies that invested in the infrastructure are not necessarily from africa and the internet connection does not come from africa so what we need to do is we need to 
create our own infrastructure of internet, then create a portal that connects to the World Wide Web. In that case, we're only getting pulled once. So in a case where we have a lot of things, we're getting pulled twice. Thanks. I love the thinking of the Born Frees. Uh, thank you very much, A-Teamer, Born Free, for, for sharing that thought. So, Prof, I think what A-Teamer is saying is, is very critical. Why don't we as Africans, um, with the, 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 the backing of our government, build our own infrastructure, connect to the Internet, and, uh, you know, be able to, to have infrastructure that suits our, um, our topography, because we're not flat like most of the West, mm-hmm. and that would also suit us as Africans. Yeah, yeah, and, and I and I think part, part and parcel of the the idea here is we've we've been talking a lot about the decolonialization or decoloniality uh, debate. Um, uh, you know, we must find ways of um, uh, adapting so-called. Uh, inventions and innovations which may not have come from our continent to make them suit our um, our own terrain as you say and our own uh, um, uh, you know locality i mean i would love a scenario there's a stretch of road i live driving through um between um uh, Empangeni and Durban. It's just a beautiful stretch of road and you know to to be able to connect to Siri or uh, you know or some platform uh, that allows me to hear about that stretch of land and area of what's going on in that area in a in a in a, in a language and in a medium uh, that I am comfortable with and then I can uh, possibly relate with and and the, the solution therefore then becomes important particularly to the developers not only of the technology but the developers of also the content I think we've got a critical shortage in people volunteering to actually put information on Wikipedia and all these other sources of information about localized examples and experiences uh, that can easily be captured so that they they add to the wide array of uh, knowledge uh, that's already there, giving it a uniquely, proudly African flair. Most definitely. Let me go to this message here. Donald in Rustenburg says, um, I think our governments must collaborate with mobile network providers and all stakeholders in the ICT space so that data can be accessible throughout the whole continent. We've been preaching data must fall, you know. (laughs) Do you think that anyone has heard us? Because in South Africa, our data rates are much higher than what they are in Mozambique, in Malawi in yeah. uh, Ethiopia and and I'm speaking about countries that I have been visiting frequently uh, even mm. in Zimbabwe they are much cheaper than in South Africa so talk to me are we going to ever get there prof we will get there uh, I think um, the entrance of more players onto that market will greatly reduce I mean the more competition there is um, you know will we'll make some of these network providers you know you know, check up their services that they are giving us. But but I agree with you. I'm, I mean, I, I go frequently to countries like Uganda and Zambia. I find uh, data costs, um, you know, slightly, a little bit lower than they are uh, in this part of the world. So I think more the entrance of more competitors onto the uh, space will aid um, ordinary citizens and customers like uh, like me and you. Here's another voice note. 
Good evening, Petty, and good evening to our guest. It's X from the Eastern Cape. Uh, well, I must say, good show. And the topic that we have brought to the fore, it is quite important and quite significant for many South Africans. You know, the issue of the universities or the situation of our learning in South Africa in general, it is quite disturbing because the inequality there, if I can put it like that, it is quite appalling because there are those universities that are regarded as superior and there are those that are regarded as inferior, which is something that is not good. You know, and uh, we anticipate the Institute of Learning to share the information you see and develop one another instead of uh, looking down on each other. Inequality there, Prof. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you did mention that there is a lot of inequality. And yes, there are efforts to collaborate. But do you, do you envision that inequality will be leveled out in South Africa and Africa, you know, at large? Well, we, we must be seen to making effort, Patricia. Um, we, we, we just can't sit and let the current status quo continue as it is. I mean, the, the, the article that you mentioned um, that I wrote comes about as part of a um, of a collaborative project where we've got colleagues from the so-called historically disadvantaged universities, University of Forte, University of Zululand, University of the Western Cape, University of Limpopo, University of Venda, and Walter Sisulu University, where we came together as a group of scholars and said, we've got this uniqueness around us because of the localities that we're working in and the situation, and even this prevailing mindset that your caller was talking about. We came together and we, we, we applied for research funding to do more research in these areas of connectivity and access, particularly on issues of cyber infrastructure. And, and what we, we see in our little microcosm that we are operating within is that once we come together and we have a, a common purpose about what we want to achieve, um, we, we, we soon start realizing that, you know, the language of impossibility becomes the language of possibility. And we soon start even challenging and tackling some of these prevailing mindsets that are around us. So um, I would like to think it is something that we should continually be prioritizing, breaking down these uh, barriers that are sometimes man-made and self-imposed so that we find ways of, of being better human beings, actually. Wouldn't that take us back to then um, undoing what our historic um, narrative has been? I mean, that's why we find so much inequality in our universities, uh, because of our history as Africa. And specifically, I'll zoom in on South Africa, that we'd have the universities that were um, more funded and they were in more urban areas and uh, uh, dominated by white students. Shouldn't we then perhaps find a way to speak amongst ourselves with the help of the education department and uh, the various universities to ensure that the level you know the playing field is leveled out and everyone has the same and equal opportunities then we can move on to saying let's boost connectivity in africa absolutely and 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 it it, it becomes important that um, where that is not happening there be metrics and scoring systems that actually make it imperative because uh, uh, you will find a, thing, a situation which is rather sad in one corner 
where people actually then seek out so-called, you know, disadvantaged universities for the sake of just putting them onto projects so that they they appear to be, you know, we've got them here. But I think we we, we are heading in the right direction uh, because there's been more intentionality and also uh, deliberate engagement with all stakeholders about the importance of actually um, building this inclusive uh, knowledge economy which takes into consideration, you know, those in Empangeni to those in Santon, that their voices are being heard and they have equal and uh, fair opportunity for everybody. De Beers, who is in Middleburg in Bumalanga, says, uh, talking about data, Namibia is the most expensive country uh, when it comes to data in Southern African region. And you know what the funny thing is about the cost of data, uh, Prof? The mm. fact that we in Africa use almost the same internet service provider yeah. across South Africa. Yeah. So we'd have a company, and I won't mention names, that is our cell phone network provider that you'll find in South Africa, yeah. in Zimbabwe, yeah. in Malawi, in Mozambique, in Kenya, in Nigeria, in Ghana. Yeah. And they've monopolized this entire playing field, but no one is causing them to do the right thing so that African education can be brought to the forward. So, so maybe what we need there, Patricia, a few, a few uh, during the Trump uh, administration, I saw Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook uh, answering questions around issues around data usage and, and all of that. Maybe we may need to bring some of these um, uh, big players onto the table and actually ask them, how is it that as soon as you cross a border, uh, you know, you, you, you experience a totally different service in terms of not just the service, but also the cost. And, and I think there's need for some form of regulation and monitoring uh, to, to make sure that at least things are at par. Well, I, I think maybe we should go with what the born free say to start up our own infrastructure, start up our own things. China is doing it. We can do it too. Prof, thank you so very much for your time. And uh, hopefully we'll connect again. Thanks a lot, Patricia, and I really appreciate it. And uh, good evening to everybody at home. Cheers. It's 11 o'clock on the dot. Let's go to the final news bulletin with Mudupi Mahadimela. Hola, Mudupi. Hola.